Rocky Mountain mixed down We're, we're talking music in your hometown Other places too Welcome, welcome, welcome. All are welcome here welcome. Rocky Mountain mixed down yeah. oh. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Rocky Mountain Mixed Down I believe this is episode 6 this week we have myself, John, Kenny, Liz, and the enigmatic, charming, talented Dave Watts. Dave Watts is the drummer and a founding member of Colorado local legends, The Motet. Dave has been around Doghouse longer than we have. So, Dave, do you have any interesting historical tidbits? You probably know more secrets about this building than we do. Ha! <laughs> I'm trying to remember like my first, you know, uh, session here, what that was all about. It probably wasn't even the motet. It was probably some side project and somebody else booked it. And I'm like, where? Doghouse? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but yeah, ever since there was, how long ago was that? 15 years maybe? I don't know how long Doghouse has been around. I mean, we've, we've done uh, all of our Halloween rehearsals here when we used to do the cover sets. You know, I remember being in this room and working on our P-Funk set. That was probably 10 years ago with Nigel Hall singing with us. From Lettuce. From Lettuce, yeah. He was our singer. Um, I mean, there's been so many cool things here. That room in the back there, I remember walking back there once, and Gary brought me back there, and there's the whole, whole Grateful Dead drummer set up. It was uh, Mickey Hart's whole rig with the beam and the, I don't know, that giant, I don't know what he's got, just all sorts of weird drums that are set up. It was pretty cool. I mean, the whole room was taken up with drums, you know. Uh, But that was like, when I first got here, it was probably like 15 years ago. And like I said, we came here every Halloween to do our cover band sets just because the space is so big, you know what I mean? And actually the the main room, the end wasn't there back then. Right. It was just this. But it's always been a great soundstage, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you guys have upped the ante with the taking care of the gear and, you know, making sure everything's legit and making sure all the drums have good heads on them and the amps all turn on. Oh, man. That was like, I remember when we first took over and you all would come in, That would, it would just always be so embarrassing when like... <laughs> Five XLRs didn't work, or this amp is blown. I know that was actually John's first ten minutes as an employee. Was that's true? Was you know amp would turn on and Garrett glared at us, and we were like, (laughs) "Ah, we're always pretty nice about it." Oh no, always. You guys are always really By the nice. time you get here, we're used to it. So, I mean, yeah. it's frustrating not to give people exactly what they want when they want it. You know what I mean? So, God bless you, Gary. We love you, man. Absolutely. No, uh, yeah. And like when I'd come look for, like, ask for a drum key or a cable, you'd go in the back and sift through a pile of cables and uh, <laughs> gear in that little office space. Yeah. He had a little thing labeled uh, assorted drum doobers. Goobers? Doobers. Oh, okay. Well, same thing, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Are those interchangeable? Depends I don't, where you're from. Actually, yeah, yeah. You, do you say, I say soda pop. Soda pop. Because I feel like there's always just the division of both. Or it's like you say where, soda. You're from Colorado? Or you say pop, yeah. Yeah, we're right in the middle, I guess. Yeah, or like people say sack instead of bag if you're going to get a sack for your groceries. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. oh, so I noticed you had some symbol shields on this time. 
for your for your Tom mics. Oh, oh yeah, the Crash Shield. Yeah, I've been wondering about those. Yeah, I, the Instagram keeps. Uh, it's helpful. Is it? Yeah, and you can put one on the snare, and it keeps the hi hat from bleeding. Yeah. Okay. You know, so oh, if you want more cool. isolation, because uh -huh. it's not you know, you can do different things with like cardboard or whatever to try and baffle the sound, but. Those things are really convenient, and they just pop right on the mic stand. And they don't change like the like the whatever you're miking. It doesn't feel weird. Doesn't seem like it. No. Okay. No, it doesn't seem like it. You know. Um, I mean, I'm sure somebody's complains about it. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> There's okay. some form somewhere. <laughs> somebody like doesn't like it, but it works for me. Change is scary though. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but for the snare, I think it's exceptionally ah, helpful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it in mind. Maybe we should. Uh, yeah. Even, Throw that on the wish list. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 30 bucks or something. Or okay. Guitar cool. center. Adds to your love of mic and drum sets. Mm -hmm. That's John's <laughs> favorite thing to do. You love mic and drums? Oh, yeah. I, I always put uh, too many mics, of course, but you yeah. know, you don't use them all, but it's always fun yeah, to experiment. Yeah. Good to have options. I've, I've been putting a little mic on the fridge almost every time now. Grab mic on the, the fridge? Yeah, that like reflective, uh, the little red fridge in there. Oh, oh, oh. Well, I, I like set them up next to the couches and then I put a mic on the fridge and it's like a pretty nice mono signal. Just like from the back? Or are you trying to get the sound of the fridge? No. That, okay. <laughs> sound of the drums, of course. <laughs> we just need, when it clicks on, you know, we need to get that. It's part of the vibe. Yeah. It adds a nice noise to the mix. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, just the reflection. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. It's That's cool, great. yeah. Yeah, that room is great, man. We're getting great sounds in there. Just and this is just demo, like, but pff, I can easily make a record in there. It's really great. Yeah, maybe in like five years you release the demos, the unreleased, yeah, demo. previously yeah. unreleased. See it on Spotify. Yeah, you never know. So, how, how have you uh, developed your your drum setup over time? Like, uh, you know, were you five years old with a four piece and then worked your way up from there, or like, what's your? Well, five year old with a. Uh, like an oatmeal box and a, yeah. a spoon, <laughs> yeah. you know? Right, right. Some cups, you know, <laughs> for sure. Like, you know, um, chopsticks would make good drumsticks for a five-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I definitely started with just things around the house. Uh-huh. And uh, every now and then i go back to that, you know? It's pretty fun. Man, I, I have not been satisfied with my drum sound until the last few years. And I got this Gretsch kit. This um, Brooklyn Series Gretsch kit, which I love. And then I just got this uh, Yamaha Custom Absolute, Maple Custom Absolute. And man, both those kits are just phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, I expanded the, the, the Yamaha kits, got three racks and two floors. So it's a big kit. Um, and then the Gretsch kit, I kind of I pull off the bottom heads and get a concert tom sound going with that, more of like a 70s funk thing. Like a Big thunk. <clears throat> yeah, and it's great. It records great. It's not always the best live, but it records great. Yeah, it's like live. I like the projection. You know, the Yamaha kit works really well. It's, man, it's, drums are expensive. <laughs> you yeah. know, like career path because you're always you always want to try new sounds and try new things, and you know, it's just not like. Uh, I mean, I guess every instrument's expensive. So being a vocalist, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> right. Don't get me started with the vocalists. <laughs> it's like when you're a drummer is like just the, the fact of the gear alone weeds out the week. You know what I mean? Like you have to be dedicated to your craft to do the thing because it takes a lot of effort, you know? We we tinker with, I mean, of whenever something goes down nine times out of ten, it's a drum piece of drum equipment. Mm -hmm. Double kicks. Yeah. 
are always, yeah, yeah. The kettles in general. The screw flies thirty feet. It's never found again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually it's the hardware. It's the one tough little part. piece. Man, when I was back at when I was in Berkeley, they didn't even have drum sets in the ensemble rooms. Really? Yeah, man. Like I had to like sh- go down to my locker. We had the drum lockers. And grab the kick drum, walk up two flights of stairs. This is between classes with kids everywhere. You know, I had to walk up the stairs trying to get around kids and put my bass drum, go down, grab all my hardware. I did like four trips, you know, and, and then set the thing up. And then, and then you know, we were so like... It'd be a good like hour and a half before you even get the like bang know, drum. The class is over by the time you got... It's a it's a really it's a really good training for real life. You know that that part alone was like okay, like the schlepping. This is your life, you know, schlepping sure. gear. And now you have it down to a science. I mean, you you got everything out of that trunk in ten minutes. Yeah, it's like it's amazing. We go around our lives not thinking about how much we do by habit. You know, driving home or so much. You know, when you learn a new thing, it's just like it's so clunky and it can be frustrating. You know, and I've set up and broke down my drums so many thousands of times. It's just like, you know, I can just be doing something else in my brain and and do it and not think about it. I just, I, sometimes I'm amazed when I get to a gig. I'm like, here I am setting on my drums again. Like, one more time, you know what I mean? Like, it's like tying my shoe at this point, yeah. Speaking of loading up and unloading, uh, you got a couple gigs this spring doing instrumentals with the Motet. Yeah. How does it feel to get back on the road and to uh, start playing again as the motet. Well, I mean, it's funny you say that because the road, like thinking of the way we were schlepping up until the point COVID hitting is like, is daunting. Like, oh my God, like we spent so much time in you know, hotel lobbies and then airports and then driving and flying and then driving just every weekend because we were a weekend kind of band. Right. Yeah, because I remember you saying like you've, yeah, I mean, sometimes, man, we would we would have like a one set at a festival, and we had to fly in a day early, and then fly back the next day. It's like three days of traveling Ugh. for an hour and a half set. You know, like I I don't look forward to that situation again because <laughs> it's not efficient. You know what I mean? I I play way more drums when I'm at home than I do on the road. You know, so but this what we got coming up, I'm really looking forward to. And it's just it's uh it's really satisfying to be doing something that uh feels important again. Even though like, you know, practicing and all my side project stuff feels important, but when the motet gets together, then it's like, oh yeah. Everyone in the room takes us very seriously. We're trying to get to from point A to point B. Everyone's on their best behavior and A game and all that. And it's just really satisfying to be in the room with, you know, four of the guys that feel the same way. And and we're like, you can tell that there's progress being made. And it just feels important, you know, as opposed to like, sometimes you got the side project stuff and it's just, everyone's doing lots of different things and you come together and you're like, okay, you do what you can. And then you, you know, you play a show and it's great, but it's not like the degree of creativity and, and development that you get from a band, you know? Yeah. that That's something that we always notice is that when, when you, when you're packed in, you you close that door. Like there's just a lot of energy and intensity that gets focused like inwardly towards towards the group of you. You know, yeah. like like whenever we've had to like come in for a cable or something, like it's just a furious amount of energy going into the work. Which is, <laughs> yeah, good. I'm glad I'm glad it looks that way because it is that way. I mean, it's 
it's uh, you know, we all respect each other as players, so you know, we take it pretty seriously. And the fact that we're doing this instrumental music is extremely satisfying to me, anyway. I mean, the band started out as an instrumental group. We've had many incarnations where we played instrumental music, and a lot of our fans really miss us making that more of our sound, coming back to it and and just working on that and feeling like all five of us are on the same page. We're really because we're we're you know we're we're talking about you know. Want, we want to have a singer. We want to, you know, have a sixth member who plays an instrument and sings. But right now, it's really satisfying to be playing as a five-piece that's just doing instrumental and creating music that sounds really good just to five of us, you know? How, how would you compare what you're writing now to, let's say, like, Rhino Dub or, you know, song, Songs of the Past? Uh, you know, it's similar in a lot of ways. You know, we might try and... Uh, work that one up with the lineup as it is, although that's a very horn-heavy song, you know, and now we're not focused as much on the horns. But uh, it's it's not that much of a departure musically. It's more of a instrumentation, a sonic departure with not having a vocal thing. And it's also, uh, it's like a different kind of vibe. You know, it's still dance music and it's still improvisation, but it's less feeling like it's song-oriented and more more improvisation, more of a jam, more of a experiment, more of a, you know, feeling as opposed to like just a tunes. I think we were more song oriented with the vocalist. And it also feels like possibilities are a little more wide open. I mean, you know what I mean? I think that uh, writing for vocals can sometimes feel like you're kind of in a frame you know right you got it you're three and a half minutes and you're chorus one chorus two yeah right yeah and it's kind of has to fall into this box and now it's like the box is like opened up you know yeah it's pretty exciting for us cool what do you do when you're not drumming <laughs> sleeping <laughs> i probably drum in my sleep though i think my, my girl would tell you that yeah you ever have the dreams where you write it write something new you like remember it when you wake up? Sometimes, yeah, a little bit. Uh, the other night, I had a dream that Stevie Nicks joined the Motet. Huh. That was really weird. That's great. Yeah, it was. It was awkward. <laughs> just, yeah, I mean, it was cool. We were we were open to it, you know. I think we were all like, like, all right, let's check this out. But yeah, it was it was like it wasn't it wasn't meant to be. So I'm glad. Sometimes you you're glad when you wake up. If I had these dreams that uh, my my uh, anxiety dream is that I um, I get to a gig and everyone's waiting to start and everyone's on stage but my drums aren't set up and I'm like desperately setting up my drums in front of the audience and the band and I'm just like ah, stressed trying to like you're like someone tell jokes <laughs> yeah so since COVID I actually actually haven't had so many of those because we've been playing very much so. So yes, one positive side of the COVID thing. <laughs> so the writing process, from what I've seen, it seems pretty collaborative. Like one person will bring a chunk of something, and then does it just grow outwardly from that? Or yeah. is it kind of a, yeah. do you write a lot of stuff? I used to, but um, the last little while I've been just concentrating on uh, practicing and playing and playing drums. You know, there's so much music coming out of these guys, and they're so good at writing that uh, I just don't need to, and it's been pretty satisfying to just focus on drumming. 
you know, I'm sure it'll, it'll turn around at some point where I'm doing more writing, but, um, yeah, it doesn't take much for us. Just the simplest idea turns into something, which is pretty exciting because if you feel like the potential is always there to be creative and write new music, I mean, if you're not writing new music, then you're just spinning your wheels, kind of like imitating yourself, you know what I mean? Like after a while, you feel like you're in your own cover band playing the same song over, you know what I mean? Like, right, right. And it may be something where the crowd goes wild or something, but like maybe yeah. it's just not... Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm playing it the 20th time. And yeah, yeah, right, yeah. It's a blessing and a curse to have, like, successful songs because, you know, people want to hear those. And, but it's been, the nature of Motet's always been change and, you know, different sounds, different genres, different styles, different lineups. So to a certain degree, I think our fans just want, you know, they expect good music, you know. Yeah. And music you can dance to and, and see the musicians play and, you know, not just play parts, but actually improvise and interact. Um, but back to your question, usually this last batch have been mostly written by each of the different players. And then we'll all kind of write our own parts around whatever parts have been written for for us or written for the other guys. Like if there's a bass line written, then I'll come up with a drum part. Sometimes Joey will write the drum part and the bass part, you know. It'll be demoed out, you know. Like they'll demo it and send it and we're like, okay reinterpret it how you want you know logic drummer yeah exactly yeah (laughs) all that yeah brush band whatever it takes you know what i mean um but uh you know i think we're all pretty open to oh eh, it's not quite working let's try you know what i mean let's well that's not quite working let's try this you know so um it becomes a collaborative thing you know, like generally speaking, even if there is one songwriter, we all get some credit on the, you know, the um, sort of royalty thing or whatever. You know, we all take a percentage because we're all putting our own, like, stamp on it. Uh, but, I mean, all the guys in the band write, which is really cool. That's never hard to juggle. I've been in a few projects where it's like there's kind of a power struggle. My song. No, my song. No, my song. Ah, yeah. No. Nope, actually, everyone's really cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Everyone's super cool. Yeah, it's yeah, and I think that we all respect each other's stuff enough to be like, yeah, you deserve to have your stuff played. Let's play your thing, you know. And that man, I just want more music. I just I want as much as possible. You know, I want to I want to choose from two hundred songs a night. You know, and we've changed changed lineups and done so many various incarnations of the band every time we get a new musician it seems like we lose a quarter of our material you know what i mean it seems like we lose stuff every time and lyle's left the band now so like, i don't know how many of his vocal songs we can actually play but you still have to keep on keeping on well yeah i'm sure we'll fi- figure out a way to play that one <laughs> it almost sounds like the way that you keep things fresh and inspired is by the constant of change like yeah, yeah this is a new lineup and and now you know this is how we're going to innovate from here on out with the you know, with the with the arsenal that we have. Yeah, you got to go with like what you got. Two people can be creative and make great stuff together. You know, so it doesn't have to be. I mean, we're called the motet, which always kind of implied more. But it's you know, having a little bit less is actually cool too. You yeah, know? Like, the less tat sometimes. Yeah, it? less tat. You know, doesn't sound as good, but it, you know, there's meaning there for sure. You know, so I, I'm we're all super super stoked about what we're coming up with. Over here, just right now, it's awesome, you know? 
Yeah, we're always happy to have you here. And we're also happy to uh, have you be patient with us as we navigate all this stuff. Because uh, it, it, it was a pretty big undertaking, you know? It really was. You guys have done a great freaking job. You really have. And also, we didn't know what we didn't know. Like, uh, like there was a time where I think Ryan asked me for a one spot. And he was standing in front of the vending machine. And I gave him a dollar. <laughs> Kenny was like... Sure. He's like shaking his head like, oh, man. It's like, where's Gary? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> At least just say no. <laughs> yeah, but. yeah, you guys are killing it. I mean, it's just every every aspect of this place is... I'm glad that you figured out the live streaming thing, too. That's really makes a lot of sense from this day and age, you know? Yeah. It's a harrowing process. I feel like we learn something new every time, you know? You always will, I'm sure, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's like, the, I'm glad that this is still happening because we need it. You know, the community needs it. People coming through. Once Red Rocks opens, you'll probably get a lot of calls from bands playing Red Rocks that need a soundstage to practice. You know what I mean? Yeah. 2020 was looking to be a pretty uh, Red Rocks filled lineup. Really? Lotus and Boombox and a number of people coming through. But didn't happen last year, but maybe it'll happen again. You know? Oh, it will happen again. Yeah, we have faith. Red Rocks is forever. Older than all of us. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I know that you have the, your, your end friends crew, right? And you recently celebrated a birthday. Right? Oh, yeah. Who are some of your favorite people to play with in the area and the scene? And what inspires you about it? Man, the scene here has grown so much since I moved here. It's crazy. Like, when I moved here in 94, Denver was nothing. Like, there was zero music in Denver. Like, I didn't play any shows in Denver. And I was playing 20-something shows a month, all in Boulder and, and, and up in Fort Collins sometimes and up in Lyons or um, Nederland, you know, and the, some of the around little towns. Boulder was killing. Like, there was so much music in Boulder, and there were so many places to play. It's changed a lot. Like, Boulder's not nearly as fertile as it used to be. But Denver just blew up. And then since then, like it started blowing up around like 2003 and four and clubs like Coyotes and Cervantes and all these other, the film work coming in, the Ogden. Uh, but then all these bands started moving here. You know what I mean? All these, especially drummers. I'm like, I'm glad I'm not a freelance drummer like I used to be because there's like so many great drummers in town now, like Deitch. My buddy Jeff Franca, Fro from Dope Pod, Alan from uh, Disco Biscuits. I mean, just so many great players. Uh, you just named a jam brand uh, drum circle right there. <laughs> but me and Jeff Franca have a great time playing together. No, no. Yeah, he, he, we did uh, these birthday shows you were just talking about, and, and I got him to set up another drum set, so we had double drums. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I'm going to do that actually with uh, Jason Han yeah. from String Cheese. He's gonna join us for our Mich- Mishawaka shows. Oh, Dave Watson cool. friends at Mishawaka. Is, are the Mish shows on the calendar? Yeah, yeah, they're they're happening. Just look it up uh, on their website. Uh, but yeah, we'll have double drums for that too. Double kit. Yeah, it's really fun doing that stuff. Um, so many great players in town. I mean, there's just so many. Uh, Dan Schwint on guitar. He he taught me guitar in 2007. Oh wow! I was really? In seventh grade, yeah. He took lessons from Dan Schwent. Oh, that's good. Cool. Evergreen School of Music, yeah. That's, that's he's a great dude. Oh, he's killer. He's awesome. Wait, did you learn more guitar when before you went to Berkeley or when you 
Went to Berkeley. Um, yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, get, I, I learned a lot more at, at Berkeley. But, yeah, I mean, I, I studied it bef- a lot before. I don't think I would have got in if I, <laughs> if I didn't. It's funny you mentioned the drum kits and the ensemble rooms. We now, I think they still lock them up with bike locks. Oh, yeah? They, they have them in there now. At Berkeley? Yeah. Oh, but my But, like, every piece is intertwined with this, like, convoluted pattern oh, really? of bike locks. Oh, it's I very see. difficult. That you had to manage? Yeah. So you, you have to set up the kit with the bike lock on it? Well, the kit is just there now. Uh-huh. It's just locked into the room. Yeah. And then, like, the last piece is locked onto, like, the ballerina bar. It's wild. Well, I'm not surprised. Yeah. But I think it's probably to eliminate like the problem. Sketchy of- drummers, they'll steal anything. Yeah. And- yeah. <laughs> Sure, they lost a lot of gear before they figured out how to do that. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We get the opposite. Drummers are always leaving stuff here. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah. Well, that's why they steal shit because they left some shit at the last gig. Right. <laughs> what goes around comes around, I guess. Is there a genre that's not funk or jam related that you've secretly always wanted to play? Mm. <laughs> I mean, I never played in a big band. That would be really fun to play in a big band. Like a Rat Pack style, like a Sinatra? Or yeah. Like a, yeah. Yeah, maybe something a little more ambitious, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, Duke Ellington, like yeah. Count Basie, yeah, any of that stuff. I never I never did that at Berkeley, but that seems like a lot of fun. I did a tour of Europe with the Bluegrass group. You that was, did? That was really fun. Did you? Yeah. What was the name of the group? Uh, Tony Furtado Band. Did you play a full kit or what was your? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'd show up at these like bluegrass societies and people would just give me the nastiest looks. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) What is this? (laughs) But uh, we always won them over. Yeah, 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 sure. I would say here. Yeah, that's. We went to Ireland and that was cool, man. Playing like we'd play a gig and then afterwards go and find the local pub and jam at the pub bring my bongos and just oh wow we'd play at the little bar and there'd be like seven year old guy on a violin and then this like 16 year old girl on a guitar you know like the, it's just expand the generations and they're all playing this traditional Irish music it was really cool that's amazing yeah that, was, that sounds uh, neat and mind expanding yeah it was very cool what did uh, it feel like to be in Ireland physically physically yeah what did you like I, I've always been told it feels Physically it like, different. Uh, it felt like being drunk on Guinness. Cause that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's what we were. But it's a very, very happy drunk. Yeah. 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 Every, and everyone's got like fun one-liners, I feel like, in that country. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's a lot of comedy, like a lot of like comedic. Uh, man, we, one time we would try to find this jam session. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, Tuesday nights. It's down, uh, down the street and take a left and then house number 42. And we get down there and, and like, the doors open, we knock, we get inside, and there's no one there. And the, this little old lady comes out, and she's like, oh, no, it's Wednesdays, but come on in and have, like, she, like, fed us and shit. And, like, <laughs> it was amazing. Right? Like, Ireland is the coolest place ever. Oh, man. Yeah. I remember I drank at least six Guinnesses a day when I was there. And then the very last day, right before the flight, we went to the Guinness factory, and I, I couldn't do the pint. I was so dehydrated. You know, the free, the free pint they give you at the end, I was like, I can't. Mm. Totally cashed. Yeah, I've actually never been uh, out of the U.S. I gotta, I gotta do that. I gotta, gotta hop across. Well, it's too late now. We're stuck. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Maybe Cancun. I think they're still letting us into Cancun. I guess I've I've never been off the continent. I mean to say, you've been to Canada? Yes. Yeah, just just last year for the first time. We did. Yeah, we did our first Canadian show last year. Yeah, we played in Vancouver. What a cool city. Oh, that's it's beautiful there too. People are nice. Everything's just nice up there in, the, in, in BC. You know? mm-hmm. 
healthcare. Healthcare, weed. It's crazy that there's like these giant cities just north and nobody, we barely tour to those places. It's, it seems like a real effort. It wasn't really much of an effort, but it seems like an effort with taxes and stuff. But man, imagine if it was just like going to, you know, Buffalo, but you can go to Toronto instead, you know. Now that things are hopefully on the mend, are there certain places, you know, beyond Canada you're looking to go to? Or Well, we got our first publishing deal in um, Australia, so. Oh, wow. Hoping to, like. That would be fantastic. Yeah, play in Australia. I would love to play in Australia. I mean, anywhere. I mean, I would, I would love to go to Europe, too, but, uh, I would, you know, heading east, go to Japan, uh, Australia. You ever been to Japan to play? Uh, I've never been to Japan, no. Hawaii, I'll go play in Hawaii. Yeah, I'd go play in Hawaii too. <laughs> Especially right now. Well, uh, do you have any um, favorite superheroes or anything like that? Anyone that like resonates with you? No, I just listen to music. What have you been listening to lately? Man, I just love these records by Mark Lettieri. Do you know him? No. He's a guitar player for Snarky Puppy. Oh. oh. And uh, he's got a thing with Corey Wong called the... Uh, Fearless Flyers, but uh, man, he's got these solo records. They're just sick. So creative and so funky and impressive musicianship. Really fun to listen to. But, I, you know, I, I get on Spotify and just go down rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Let stuff play. Let the algorithm feed you. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome, man. And I go on YouTube and, and just check out obscure funk groups. You know, it's crazy how much music there is from the 70s that I still haven't heard. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm just like, what is this music? I can't believe this exists and I never listened to it before. You know, uh, mm-hmm. it's a tough time to get paid, but it's a great time to discover music. Yeah. You know, it's so much is out there. It is. It's, I think, John, you told me once your, your one regret in life will be that you never listened. To enough music, right? Yeah. No matter how much music you listen to, yeah. you're, you're going to die not having heard it all. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's rather morbid, but... Yeah, someone was saying that um, there's more photos being taken right now in, in like a two-hour period than were taken in all of the 20th century. Like, oh, my. Uh, you know what I mean? Just everyone's snapping photos all the time, and I feel that way with music now, too. It's like there's so much music being produced. So much out there. And getting produced well, too. Like, I mean, I feel like the bar is just, like, it's so easy now to get something onto a computer as opposed to, like, get it on wax 30 years ago. Oh, my God. Yeah, Yeah, it was was a big deal to make a record 30 years ago and and get anything out that you could get to fans. But then getting it to fans 30 years ago, man, you had to get in the car, drive, or the bus or whatever, the van— Drive across country, and when you went to a show, like if you're from Boston, like I used to be, and you drive out to Colorado, and you got to like, I don't know, like Durango, and you played, you know, three nights, and you sold like 15 CDs or whatever it was a night. You know what I mean? You, you're like, oh my god, 15 people are gonna hear our music, and then they're gonna play it for two people each, and that's the 45 people, and it seemed like a big, big deal, you know. Yeah. Or to get, like, I I never had a song on major radio, but, like, even to get your song on college radio was like, whoa, people are hearing our music. You know what I mean? That was a big deal. You know, now it's like, put it on Spotify. There it is. Everyone can hear it. Put it on your Facebook. Thousands of people are already listening to it. You know, it's crazy. So we're not getting paid per listen, 
but the amount of listens are huge, you know? And it's like, well, if your music's really good, you're going to find success enough to keep doing it. And that's all you can ask for, really. You know, and I'm sure Lars Ulrich isn't happy about it, but... <laughs> you know, like he's used to making millions. We're used to making thousands. So, well, you know, for us, it's ticket sales are where it's at. You know, like if your music is getting out there into people's ears, people are hearing it and they're loving it, they're going to come to your show. And, you know, and you'll sell tickets, and those are that's worth more than CDs. Yeah, because you're selling experiences. Yeah, usually we, we end an episode on what people have been listening to. So. John, what have you been listening to? Oh, uh, I'm actually I've been listening to um, this band called Basement. Um, this record specifically called "Color Me in Kindness" is a reference that Day Shaper gave me. So I've just been trying to get in the mode for the mix and all that, and it's been good though. I dig it. You know? He's been mixing away at a pop punk album for the past three weeks. It's pretty tight though, you know. There's like you a tightness on it or to it. Just mixing it, uh, mixing, yeah. And recording. Yeah. Well, is what are you listening to? Let's see. I'm having a lot of feels this week, so I've mostly been listening or mostly watching uh, that Nirvana MTV Unplugged show on YouTube over and over. <laughs> That's my week. But I've been listening to Liz Cooper in the Stampede a lot and this band called Bonorama and or Bonorama. <laughs> They're like a New orleans kind of band. <laughs> I think those are my main bands this week. Cool. You had another recommendation? Oh, yeah. One more uh, group to listen to. Check out this uh, group called The Ranch. The Ranch. They're from Malta. That's a real place. It's a real place, man. It's like an island in, in the Mediterranean. But these guys are fucking sick. They're crazy. And you're like, how did a little island produce a band on this extreme level of, like, they're kind of proggy, but... They're kind of like a hiatus coyote. Okay. Yeah. But mixed with porcupine tree. It's crazy. The drummer is crazy. It's like, what? You know, so no one's heard of them. They have the terrible name and they're incredible. The Ranch. The Ranch, yeah. From Malta, yeah. Check it out. Find find live stuff on YouTube. It's really cool. Uh, What about you, Kenny? I've been in a jammy mood for the most part. With I've been listening to a lot of Wolfpack, but also like anytime Lewis Cole is on a YouTube video, I tend to... Even when I'm not looking for him, he just shows up, you know? A lot of instrumental music, which is different for me. Usually I'm into the angsty lyrics. I loved like Stone Temple Pilots and uh, Soundgarden. I was I was that kind of child. And it wasn't until I met Liz that I got into jam and funk. I was going to give her congrats. Good oh. job. <laughs> Good job. Turn him on to funk. Yeah. The night, the night we got engaged, uh, we heard lettuce off in the distance. We were in California. Oh, and, off uh, in the distance. Yeah, because we were, we were at a festival. We were at Bottle Rock. This was like five years ago. And we're like, oh, this, these bands in this area of the festival suck. And then we heard some funk music off in the distance. And they played till they pulled the plug. And it was awesome. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a great festival. The rest was history. The rest is history, yeah. <laughs> I support funk music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's huge. In fact, the first time I saw y'all live was uh, at the Mesh uh, with the California Honey Drops. There was one at uh, Red Rocks, too. Did you go to that one? We went to Red Rocks, yeah. We had some Motet Mocha. Or ice cream. <laughs> oh, man. That stuff's good. Yeah, you have like a lot of branded stuff, right? Yeah. You got your own cider. 
You have a snowboard? Is that right? Yeah. That's my baby. I got the snowboard. All the other guys in the band are like all excited when we got weed named after us. We got our own brand of weed. But I was like, snowboard, man. This is now, this, I've made it. Yeah. This is like, this is it. Like, I've, I've made the pinnacle of my career. I have my own snowboard. Did you get to like design the specs or anything like that? Uh, they used some posters, uh, some artwork from the from posters that we had in, in our album cover and kind of mashed it all together into this really cool design. And it rides great, man. It's Meyer skis, they're the ones who make it. Very cool. And uh, man, yeah, it rides great. It's really, really satisfying. So you're a, you're a snowboarder. Where's your uh, favorite place to ride? Uh, man, I love a uh, steamboat, getting in the trees up there. Telluride's fun. Um, Keystone's fun. I mean, they're all fun. Some are better for snowboards than others, you know what I mean? Uh, but I usually snowboard when we're on tour ah. and doing gigs because I, I, I never get a pass. It's just, I can't commit myself to that much time, especially with the driving and the traffic and crap, you know. I'll go up to Eldora because I have friends that have uh, passes that'll get me up there. I've even paid to ride up there just because it's so close, you know. Jackson Hole is incredible. I always wanted to go to Mammoth. I haven't been there. Uh, there's so many good places, though. Yeah, probably Steamboat's one of my favorite mountains when they have good snow. It's Anything else got on your mind? Nah, you know, we, we got a new album coming out. We got this uh, Cervantes shows coming up. Veil, if it hasn't passed by the time this comes out, you know. Dave, thanks for being here and being a part of it, and thanks for always coming by. All right, y'all. Good stuff. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rocky Mountain Mixdown. For more information on any of the topics we discussed this week, look us up online at doghousemusic.com or your favorite social media platform.